Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and not alongside me, but Rob Hayes, you're on the line. Once again, I'm in For Fox Sake HQ, back from my travels and one or two things have been happening down at Filbert Way. Just one or two. Nice to be with you, Pete. This is one of the first times I've ever done the podcast from not in the other For Fox Sake HQ. For Fox Sake HQ 2 is no longer my abode. I'm no longer a resident of Leicester. Mm. Will you still have me on the podcast? No. This is the first of many adverts. We're advertising for new uh, hosts of For Fox Sake because Rob has left the area. But uh, yeah, you've got, you've got uh, many bits and bobs and uh, things to sort out at that end. But regarding football, yeah, there's been plenty of news at Leicester. It's all about Maguire, really. Maguire leaving the club. We've um, been off for a while, obviously with summer holidays, etc. Uh, we did one podcast uh, when we signed Perez. And uh, and this is really the, the, the build-up to the season, the one and the week before the season. But uh, the first part is going to be about Maguire. We're going to take it that he's gone because he's got the medical to go through. He's got personal terms to go through at Manchester United, but we're just going to take for granted that they are all fine because you'd imagine that they will be. £85 million reported, fee £80 million up front. Uh, it's a good deal all round. I think most people have kind of agreed. For us at Leicester, they've got their man, so they're happy, and we've got an extraordinary amount of money. Um, I've looked at this on, on, a, on a couple of different ways from a football point of view and then a club point of view. And first of all, with the club, and it might sound quite boring to some fans, it might seem, and it would seem very boring to fans who are not really associated with Leicester, but it underpins the club going forward, I think. You don't want to lose your best player. And again, that's the football side of things, but this is different. In terms of infrastructure, the ground redevelopment, all paid for, the training ground, 100 million training ground, which we nicknamed the Riyad Mahrez training ground because of the fee, £60 million to Man City that paid for a substantial part of that. Well, the training ground and the upgrade to the stadium and all the surrounding area, the new arena and all sorts of bits and bobs that could happen around the King Power that the plans have been uh, not fully announced for, but hopefully next season will be, but have been leaked somewhat or shown. Then... That's all paid for. That's all done. It also shows the club in great light in terms of holding on for the fee that we wanted. We weren't bullied, even though the player wanted to go. We weren't bullied by the bigger club. We weren't bullied by the amount of money that was floating around. Or even by a club with the stature and the success of Manchester City coming in with a bid of £60 million. And us saying, no, we want this amount of money. And they turn around going, okay, fine. And walking away knowing that they can't get to that level. It shows the club, it shows the manager, it shows 
people like Top and Susan Whelan and John Rudkin into really good light. They've, they've played an absolute blinder on this one. Credit goes to Harry Maguire as well. I don't think there was any problems with him. Even if he stayed, I don't think there would have been any problems at all. Um, and he's conducted himself well. And I don't imagine there'll be a, a nice message to the fans as and when he joins Manchester United. That's my thoughts on the finance and the non-playing side of things. Do you do you kind of go along with that, Rob? Yeah, I think so. We've, we've spoken about it briefly uh, earlier on in the summer in, in the sense that nothing's really changed apart from the fact that he is now actually going. I mean, we're recording this at uh, the time is 20 past 11 on Monday morning, so it's not been officially announced yet, but they're expecting that official announcement today. And nothing's really changed in the last couple of months, really. It's been apparent that Maguire was interested in speaking to, I put in inverted commas, bigger clubs. Uh, and Leicester said, right, here's the figure, here's the date you need to pay it by. And at no point has anything else been said or done or changed about it. So from uh, the reputation of, of the club, um, it, that is still wholly intact, if not even improved by the, the business acumen and the football um, the, the sort of football side of things as well. Uh, and yeah, Maguire's not done anything wrong either, in my opinion. He said to the club, look, if this, if this club, this club or this club come in and the fee is agreeable to you, then I'd like to speak to them. And that's much better than chucking your toys out of the pram and saying, I no longer want to play for Leicester City because he knows that we give him the platform to play at a World Cup for England. He knows that we've given him the platform to show his worth as one of the Premier League's better defenders. I won't say best. I mean, we'll come on to what it means uh, for the club from a footballing point of view in a few minutes. But I think the only side that have dealt with this in anything like a negative way is Manchester United fans uh, and I'm not going to sit here and slag them off um, but uh, and it is a, mi- a minority but it is the minority that, that gained the reputation if you like uh, for Manchester United fans certainly across England I don't think the the sort of wider football world fully understands how most English football fans view that minority of of noisy Manchester United fans. You know, they've been slagging off Leicester on social media in particular. Uh, and I've seen somebody that we that we um, sort of trust and believe uh, on Twitter in Jeff Peters of, of TalkSport uh, has been um, not involved in spats with them, but he's been, he's been certainly making his, his thoughts known on it. And some Manchester United fans saying the way Leicester have handled this is absolutely disgraceful. Um, and I, I don't think they could be further from the truth. We've said very from the very beginning, we've said that's the fee. We want it by this date so that we've got a chance to get a replacement in should we want to. And obviously we'll talk about replacements in a few minutes on the podcast. I, I don't think we've done anything. I think we've done everything absolutely by the book, 100% right. And as you said, Pete, credit to everybody at the at the top end of the club for the way they've dealt but, with this. But, but you mentioned those on, on, on social media and some supporters out there who maybe listen to this podcast who don't get involved with that side of things. Uh, we're not talking about armchair fans. We're not talking about people sat there with their phone and tweeting from a fan account or from their own personal account. We're talking about senior journalists who work at newspapers who mainly cover Manchester United. We're talking about professional journalists here 
and what they've been saying about Leicester in the last, especially the last five days or so, saying that they're being very disrespectful, that they should have accepted the the, the lesser offer. Um, why are they holding that for the money? So it's not a Twitter war between, of course, there's always going to be a thousand million um, idiots on social media. We're talking about senior journalists at newspapers and broadcasters who have, as you said, thrown the toys out of the pram is the best way of putting it. Yeah, it's it's it just absolutely baffles me because some of them are saying, how dare Leicester yep. um, put a price tag like this on Harry Maguire? Well, we it's not about daring. It's about saying, look, he is one of our prized assets. We don't want or need to sell him. Here is the amount of money that you're going to have to pay us to say we're not sitting here saying and Leicester as a club are not sitting here saying Harry Maguire is the best defender in the world but what what will instantly come of this when the fee is paid is that he will be a world record price for a defender now if Manchester United want to pay that much money because they want Harry Maguire as their player that is entirely their choice that is not Leicester City saying Harry Maguire is the best defender in the world you have to pay this much money that is Leicester from a business point of view saying he's one of our most prized assets and not let me say this as some Manchester United fans and uh, I don't think necessarily journalists as such but um people who run fan sites etc so those who who do get quite a wide audience saying um, Leicester are, are crying over the fact that we've just bought their best player off them. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Harry Maguire is our best player either. So that another from another or point important. of view, that is Leicester getting, yeah, that is Leicester getting a huge amount of money for yes, an important player, yes, an important asset for the club. You've got to remember, football is a business. Um, it's not about how dare. Leicester City charge a world record fee. It's more like how desperate are Manchester United to have to spend that much money on a defensive target because their defence is an absolute shambles. And, and there's two other points I'd like to make as well. One is that it completely wipes away what we've paid in transfer fees so far this season. £35 million for Yuri Tillemans. £35 million for Perez, which I still believe the story of £16 million up front and an awful lot in add-ons probably very quickly as well for Perez, but we'll say 35 for argument's sake. And then uh, the young right back, uh, James from uh, uh, Luton, what, £8 million overall, five probably up front. And so you can argue £80 million, £85 million, we're in profit. And then we can now go forward with the two main positions that we needed to sign players for filled through Tillemans and Perez. And with a a plus figure next to our transfer business. Also, we have sold one player every season since we've been promoted or since we've won the league. Kante went, Drinkwater went, Mares has gone and Maguire has gone. Maguire at Leicester has been a massive success story. We know how good how well he's played. He's been very well liked by the fans. But he's progressed into England's best centre-half, first-choice centre-half, uh, probably the, the most uh, liked player on the England side by supporters of all clubs. And he's now gone to one of the big clubs in Europe. doesn't matter how well they're playing at the moment, but he's gone there for an awful lot of money. And what it does show, which we know, and I think the football world knows, but they really do now, is that... If you want to progress in football, 
being at Leicester City is not necessarily the worst place to be because if you play well, then you can make the move to one of the big, big clubs, but also you're playing at one of the elite clubs in the Premier League anyway. So again, this this transfer fee and this sale of Maguire, as much as we have lost one of our best players, and we'll come on to the playing side now because I think we've spoken a lot about the money, it... it it shows the club in, in good light in many different ways, which I think will become apparent over the next 12 months or so. Playing-wise, let's go to the football. I text you how many months ago saying I'd sell Maguire. Now, at the time, you know, you called me out on the podcast and I explained my reasoning, and it's because of a, it's a place of strength. A centre-half is a centre-half. We have a number of centre-halves at the club, uh, we have purchased centre-halves very well, including the likes of Maguire. And there's a number of other centre-halves around the Premier League who would look at Leicester again as a step up from their current position to a club fighting for a top-six position. And again, you could then get in the England side and move on to a Man City and Manchester United. So all these players who have been linked with us will be looking at Leicester going, I want to go there. That's a great place. I'm playing in the Premier League now, but... I want to go and replace Maguire and then become the next Harry Maguire. So what do we do now? That's the big question. What do we do now? Now, I asked on Twitter uh, a vote because there's been three players linked with Leicester heavily and I gave four options. And the question was simply, who would you replace Harry Maguire with? You've got um, Tarkowski at uh, Burnley. You've got Dunk at Brighton. You've got Aki at Bournemouth, and the other option was use what we have with Morgan, with Soyuncu, with Benkovic, whoever else. And um, Tarkowski comes off with uh, 18%, Dunk 10%, Aki 47%, and then 25% of the votes went to use what we have. Although I've just seen um, a tweet from Rob Dorsett from Sky Sports who have not covered themselves very well with this transfer at all. Probably not Rob. I think it's mainly to do with the, 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 the transfer deadline or the transfer news stories that they have or, or programmes that they have every day. Um, Rob Dorsett, who covers Leicester and the Midlands clubs, I think covers them very well as well. I think he does a good job. Um, he's just tweeted now that apparently uh, Leicester's interested in Aki, and they've been interested in Aki for a while, has apparently ended because they want £75 million. And you know what? I do not blame Bournemouth in the slightest. Aki's a, f- a fabulous player. I've always liked him. But if I was Bournemouth, I'd have done the same and gone, go on then, is, I want £75 million quid up front. It's exactly what you'd do. It's exactly what a football club should do if a, a club like Leicester, with what's just happened, is, in- uh, is interested in your player. Now, for me, if I was going to pick one of those three, um, it would be Aki because I think he's the better player. Um, I would probably then prefer Dunk. Uh, I've got a friend who's a Brighton supporter who's given me a bit more of a lowdown on what kind of a player he is rather than what we see as Leicester fans or as football fans in general. What What's he like during the whole 90 minutes? And apparently he's a very good footballer. And he turns around and he goes, he's a very, very similar player to Harry Maguire. Very similar. Very comfortable on the ball. A better footballer than people think. And... It just sounds like a a like-for-like replacement. But what would you do, Rob, in terms of voting in that poll and also with that news that 
we're probably out for Aki because they want a substantial amount. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Bournemouth have done essentially what we've done in a way, yeah. in that um, Aki is not, as far as anybody's aware, really said, I want to leave Bournemouth. Um, and they've seen that we've got plenty of money in our pocket to spend on a centre-back if that is our uh, preferred choice, if that is Brendan Rodgers' rather preferred choice in in the next, what, f- three, four days have we got till the transfer window shuts. Um, from the options on your on the poll that we ran, um, I would have preferred Ake. That would have been my top choice as well. Um, I don't... The thing is, Duncan and Tarkowski have both featured for England, um, albeit however few um, caps they've got and ha- whatever you make of the state of English, the English defence at the moment. Uh, and and look, like you say, if you've spoken to someone from Brighton who's watched Dunk week in, week out, I mean, Brighton hardly got themselves in the top five games on match of the day every weekend. So unless you actually went actively seeking highlights of their games, um, you've probably not seen an awful lot of Lewis Dunk. So um, and I think Tarkowski has also been somebody that's been on our radar for perhaps a little longer than just this summer, uh, certainly as a sort of background interest. But uh, Brendan Rodgers alluded to the fact that that Leicester were already, when when this interest in Maguire first came out and Maguire first said, hey, I'd, be, I'd be interested in speaking to another club, um, certain other clubs, Brendan Rodgers made it sound as if Leicester have already got a few irons and a few fires to try and see, um, to try and get some kind of a deal, not agreed, but in in a preliminary way kind of spoken about before the big money chat about Maguire came out, just to try and provide us with a bit of a failsafe in terms of the fact that it's not like we are now what on Monday with the transfer window closing on Thursday, trying to quickly sign another centre-back. Um, I would imagine inquiries have been made with certain clubs about certain players to see, look. And, and those prices will already have been inflated because those clubs will already have known roughly that the transfer figure for Maguire is going to be around 80, 85 million because we were very clear that we weren't wavering on that on that fee. So it will be interesting now to see where we go from here. That. I think the option that I would be most wary of on if we're sticking just to the Twitter poll for now, we'll talk about a few other names in a moment, is is keep what we've got. Because although we do have officially now four senior centre-backs in Wes Morgan, Johnny Evans, uh, Philip Benkovic and Chaglai Soyuncu, I would not pick a pairing from that that I would want that I would fully trust and want to play in each and every single one of the 38 games in this Premier League season. Uh, and I'll tell you why. We've already said on this podcast that Wes Morgan is probably, if Maguire stayed, he'd probably be first choice backup. He would be, you'd know exactly what you'd get when he'd come in. You need him in the dressing room still as the club captain, absolutely. But your first choice pairing would have been Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire. Okay, Maguire's gone, so you've only got one of those first choice pairings and that would automatically then if you're talking about the centre-backs at the club promote Wes Morgan back to first choice now we've spoken on this podcast about the fact that Wes Morgan is not um, probably not capable of being first choice centre-back for 38 games this season you've got Chaglai Soyuncu who still we haven't seen an awful lot of looks 
in some ways to resemble somebody a bit like Johan Benelowan. I think he's of a higher level than him, don't get me wrong. But in terms of the fact that he's quite rash and you're not entirely sure what he's going to do next sometimes, in the Premier League with the fine margins that you've got in in, uh, England's top flight, you can't really be wondering what your centre-back's going to do next. Uh, And Benkovic is an interesting one for me. I wanted to see a lot more of him during pre-season. He's barely featured... um, Brendan Rodgers had him on loan from us at Celtic last season. So he will be the best judge of character for Filip Benkovic. And I don't know why he's not featured in pre-season. It might have been because he had, he's been on a slightly different pre-season programme to some other players. He might have had a small injury. No, nobody really knows. But from the outside looking in, um, again, as, people, as listeners, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time because you're picking up on the Maguire story, we've got no real insider knowledge. We both commentate for... Um, for the club, uh, for supporters with uh, visual impairment or or who are blind. Uh, But we don't actually sort of have any in at the club, really. So we're just supporters. We're looking from the outside in, and we don't know why Benkovic hasn't featured so much in pre-season. No, I mean, um, he he was playing in that under-21 tournament, so he missed a few of the games, and he also had an injury, so he would have missed the first few. And I think he's slowly coming back. I agree with you, obviously, with in terms of Brendan Rodgers knowing Benkovic better than anyone at the football club, absolutely anyone, apart from the staff who was with him at Celtic. So he knows. So if he's ready, he'll play. I don't think he is. I don't feel that he wants to play ben- um, Soyuncu. I feel that he would like another player. He would like another centre-half, a first-choice centre-half, and say to Suonshu, look, you are. I want you as backup. Maybe Benkovic can go out on loan again, uh, whatever the situation is there. Maybe wants to move Suonshu on, maybe doesn't fancy him. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. But for me, I think that they'll want to get business done. They'll want a um, another centre-half. Who it will be, we'll wait and see. I wouldn't be too put off as well with the prices. I know 75 mil for Aki is extraordinary, but let's just say we buy Dunk and we spend £40 million on Lewis Dunk. It sounds like an, an extraordinary amount of money, but let's just say they turn around and go, right, it's £40 million. No £30 million, then 10 no 25 and a bit added on. It's £40 million up front, bosh, job done, cash money. And we go on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, go, do you know what, sod it. Here you go. Here's the forty million. We've probably been taken for an extra ten or fifteen, but then we've taken an extra ten or fifteen for Harry Maguire. Everyone's happy all round, you know. Everyone's in clover. I wouldn't be too worried about that. So if we do sign some of these players, and um, it's it, it maybe is a little bit more money than we would have paid for. Again, look, we're in profit so far with our transfer fees. Uh, some of the money does go. In fact, we are probably level because. Nearly ten million pounds of that transfer fee does go to Hull for their um, for their sell-on fee around nine point eight million, I believe. Um, so we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. For me, it would be great if it's Aki. If not, Dunk. But also, if it is with what we've got, then I would be fine because I would then believe that Brendan Rodgers would be happy with that. If he's happy with that, I'm fine. If they struggle to get someone in which they really want and they end up not getting that player 
then there's a problem. But we'll cross that hurdle when we get there because the rest of the team seems okay. In terms of transfers, we haven't sold anyone. We haven't got rid of anyone yet. Uh, there's rumours about Daniel Armati going to places like Sheffield United or down to the Championship. The, the, the squad is still huge. Um, there was a wonderful piece um, regarding Andy King. Uh, was it Henry Winter um, who interviewed Andy King? It was, I don't yeah, know yeah. you've read this. Yeah, it was a great read. Oh, what, a, what an interview. Like, what? And Andy King has just come out and told everyone about what it's like at Leicester, what it's like, what it's been for all these years, about the dressing room, about uh, winning the league and what the club means. Absolutely fantastic. And none of it was pretentious or false or over the top. It was 100% genuine and some really interesting lines in that interview. If you haven't found it, type into a search engine, Henry Winter, Andy King, and read it. It's well worth your time. And uh, it's, it's when, he, when he goes to Swansea on loan and he, he says it was all strange pulling on a different jersey and he didn't like it. And, and then he was saying about he, does, he, he, he could have easily, and he didn't say it, but I read between the lines and I think everyone else did saying he, he doesn't want to play for Forrest because we're playing for Leicester. He's obviously gone to Derby. That's but pretty much exactly what he said. That's pretty much what he said. But also, he said it probably because he's been offered a contract at Forrest on more than one occasion. And I've said to all my Forest sporting friends, why don't you just go and get Andy King? Like, It'll be perfect for you in, in the championship. Turns out he doesn't want to go and play for him. Fine, brilliant. And I would, in my best Kevin Keegan, I would love it if when our Premier League squad comes out and it's everyone that we expect and the last name, Andy King, and you just go, do you know what? Yeah, you know, if we're winning that game 2 or 3 nil. And Tillemans is playing, and we think, bring on Andy King in the Tillemans role for 10 or 15 minutes. He's still got it. You know, it'll be great just for for one season still, because I'm I'm still massively, and, and this is a, a proper supporter thing, really. I'd love Leicester to have that big end of season, after the season's finished, testimonial, full house, and Andy King, Leicester 11 versus probably an all-star Wales 11 or someone, get Bale down there and all that lot. And it would that, that would be a fantastic way for, if he if he's going um, to leave, for him to go, I'd love that to happen because it's not happened at Leicester as far as I've been aware. There might be one or two, but you're talking the big, big end-of-season testimonial. But we'll wait and see. There'll be loads of players leaving this week or someone loan after the transfer window closes, probably after the window closes on loan, there'll be there'll be so many go out. So we'll wait and see what happens there. We'll wait and see what happens with the signings. Now, believe it or not, Leicester are playing some football at the end of this week in the Premier League, Rob. The football season starts. Um, now, before we cover that game, I did ask on social media for some questions, and I think we should address these now because they are points that we've either just mentioned or we've just touched on. So I'll just quickly go through. Um, Dave Lusby, who mentioned he's concerned with Soyuncu, Chu, dives in too rashly, timing isn't there, needs replacing. Um, he also mentioned uh, he fancies us for a top six finish um, and would like us to replace Gray. Now, uh, regarding Soyuncu, that would be the thing. He's 22 years old. He still is quite rash. If you're talking first-team player... You never know. He could it quickly develop. We'll wait and see. Uh, needs replacing. I'd like to see him stay. But again, if the coaching staff and Rogers deem him not good enough, then again, 
send them on their way. I, I would trust them completely. Uh, we'll come to the top six finish later on in the uh, episode. And Gray, again, I, I said many times, flattered to deceive. And, and for me, there is still room for that attacking midfielder, which Rogers has mentioned as well. There is still room in the squad for a first-team attacking mid midfielder slash winger. Uh, so Soyuncu to discuss. And then uh, another one, uh, Ken Leby, who mentioned uh, who out of the room of centre-halves do you think is best suited, which we've mentioned already. Uh, he goes for Aki. Um, and also Benkovic not ready. We've mentioned uh, Benkovic already. So just just touch on Soyuncu, Rob. I, I agree with what Dave said about he dives in, his timing isn't there. I think the, the link with... Uh, uh, with Bella Lewan, who you mentioned, I agree with. He's better than him, but there is that rashness which still comes with the youth. But surely he can develop, and and if he does start for Leicester on Sunday and plays the first three or four games, that could really settle down with him playing alongside Johnny Evans. It could, yeah. And we've said how important Johnny Evans is to this squad because he makes the person playing next to him look even better. You know, Wes Morgan looks better playing with Evans. Uh, and so did um, so did Harry Maguire. That's why we didn't really favour a Maguire and Morgan partnership. Uh, Evans is a consummate pro. He's, he is a Premier League central defender and has been for best part of 10, 12 years. Um, He's our best centre half. Absolutely, yeah. If, if you're talking Before out and out, we sold Maguire. Yeah, if you're talking out and out defender, absolutely, hundred percent. They bought the wrong one. They bought the wrong wrong Rob. Well, it's also quite farcical, not farcical, it's quite funny really that we that we got Johnny Evans for three million pounds and we're selling Harry Maguire for 85. Anyway, we said we won't talk about money anymore. Uh, Soon Chu, yeah. <laughs> so he will calm down, no doubt about it. He's, I mean, he's a Turkish international already. He was playing in the Bundesliga when we bought him. We bought him for a fair wedge at 19 million, I think it was, the fee. So there is obviously genuine ability there. Um and look, if we don't sign any other centre-backs, then Johnny Evans alongside a mixture of Morgan and Soyuncu, I'm not saying rotate them every game, but, you know, sort of between the two of them, being that um, sharing the partnership really with Johnny Evans would, would be absolutely fine. And, and I, do, I do think you'd see genuine improvement through Chaglar Soyuncu. The, the issue I've got with with that is... We are at a point now as a as a club from a football perspective where we need players to be completely ready to be playing at exactly the level that they need to be for us to knock as loudly as we can on the door of the top six. Uh, and I know we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but we need Premier League top we need top half Premier League ready players. So don't you regardless of whether he's had the opportunity or not to do that, Sionchu hasn't yet shown that he is that player, yet everybody else has. You know, you look at James Madison, he's had um, he's had a season in the Premier League now. I would say that he has the genuine ability to make a difference to a game that is befitting of a top-half Premier League footballer. Yuri Tielemans, one of our other signings, absolutely ready to be a top-half Premier League footballer, proved that on loan with us last season. Um, Iose Perez played very well in a very average Newcastle team, top-half Premier League footballer. So when you're looking through the rest of the team, Damari Gray, I agree with um, the listeners' comments there. It, it, I, I don't know if there's time now to do a deal where where we get in somebody of a higher calibre than him, but I think that is one area still 
between him and Mark Albrighton playing on that left-hand side where we could still find better quality. But then I think the only the only other place is at centre-back in the gap that Harry Maguire's departure is leaving. I think those are the only two where you would say that the players playing in there are not not quite at the same level as the rest of the team. And you need all 11, you need 15, 16, 17 players at that level to enable the consistency, uh, consistency and performance uh, to, to stay right in the hunt for at least seventh place this season. So that that's my reservation with Soyuncu. I think he's got a lot of ability and I think he will get a lot better. But as a club now, should we be being more ruthless in the fact that we need players to go straight into the team who have that ability straight away rather than having to watch them build it? Yeah, with Soyuncu, it was about £18 million, wasn't it? And if he is sold, I'm pretty sure he'd hold his fee. I don't think Leicester would lose an awful lot. He'd go for, you'd imagine, between 10 and £15 million. So in, ter- in terms of losing a few million, it doesn't really matter when it comes to transfer fees. Uh, one thing with Gray, one of the clubs who were linked with him heavily and £25 million was roughly mentioned, was Bournemouth. Send him to Bournemouth and knock off... Send send him to Bournemouth with a, with a thirty million pounds as well, and and say we'll have Nathan Aki, and everyone's happy. How about that? But um, I agree with with Shu, and I agree with with, with your points, uh, also with Dave's points as well uh, with Shu. But also the fact that we need now first team players, and if he's first team ready, great. If he's not, get someone in who is and is top half Premier League, and if not higher than that uh, level ready and and fit right in which is what man united need and what they've got now um wolves so on sunday we play wolves at home wolves they go to armenia is it um in the europa league and that's the reason why the game is on the third on the sunday um that's a very long trip away from home i think if you were leicester and you were hoping for Wolves to go somewhere. I think Armenia would be quite high on the list of away days before facing Leicester in the Premier League. It it reeks of get a quick, fast start and get at them early on and get a goal. But um, Perez scored a lovely goal against Atalanta in the preseason friendly, which uh, you didn't go to, I believe, and I didn't go to. But I then watched the highlights online and end up sitting watching the entire game um, because it just started from the start. I only wanted the highlights and it played the whole game. So there you go. And um, he looks good. He looks like the player that we thought we were signing pre-season. My, you know, oh my God, rule out anything. Adi Akinbaya scored the best goal in pre-season uh, history away at Bristol City once with Leicester when we signed him and we thought we've signed the best player ever and turns out we'd, obviously he wasn't. But um, not just the goal, but also the enjoyment. He seems to be really enjoying his football just from social media posts and you see the smiles on his face when he's playing. He seems to have really adapted to Leicester very easily, but then it would be quite easy when you're playing with the likes of Madison and, and Tillemans. It looks like they've really hit up a bit of a, a partnership, those two, and especially Ricardo on the right, which does wonder where is he going to play. Is he going to play that side, which leaves the left side open for and all Brighton, or even how I would like Leicester to sometimes play by pushing Madison out to that side, 
bringing Tillemans forward, and then you can have the sitting axis of Hamza Chowdhury and alongside him Wilfred Ndidi. That would be, for me, one way of Leicester playing, especially against the, the big clubs, especially against the big four, for example, or the Champions League clubs from last season. Um, what are your thoughts then regarding Wolves on Sunday? I, I think a really quick start, but it's similar to the, the first game or one of the first games last season. It's, uh, it, it is interesting and, uh, and I think it's going to be quite open. I think there's going to be plenty of goals. Yeah, I think so. I think we need to absolutely um, go for it. Uh, and I don't think there's any question that Brendan Rodgers will say the same thing. His his whole approach to football is high press, high energy, work the opposition, win the ball back in good areas. Um, the complete opposite, really, to Club Well, You know, if you ever wanted a fast start out of Club Puel's team, you'd be you'd be better. You'd have better luck seeing pigs fly. To be perfectly honest with you, but Rodgers will say to to the Leicester team, get straight at them. Um, and yeah, they're playing Thursday night and moving it to a Sunday lunchtime. I know, I know it was moved well in advance just in case Wolves progressed, and they have, and and it was all good for the supporters. A few supporters didn't quite understand why it had been moved in in the first instance. I had to explain it to someone like my mum, for example. I was like, they've done it for you, so you know that the date's not going to change any nearer the time. But still, playing Thursday night and travelling back from Armenia on Friday, trying to rest Saturday and then playing again Sunday is is a tough ask. I know they're professional athletes and it's near the start of the season. But I think that we have got the... We, we will have the superior energy levels. Uh, and even if that doesn't show until 60, 65 minutes, it will come through. Um, and I think that will absolutely work in our favour in terms of in terms of winning the game. Um, I still think I know preseason you can't read too much into into a lot of things, but we conceded a few goals that you wouldn't necessarily like to see us concede in the Premier League, uh, and that's where the sort of partnerships in midfield well, they areas were and defences. Well, yeah, Maguire's fault. That's why we flogged him for eighty five mil. Um, no, that's where your partnerships need to be secure. Um, but overall, yeah, I think I think we take a lot of form into that into that game on Sunday. Obviously, we didn't lose over preseason. We didn't really play anybody with any real ability. I know At- At- Atlanta are playing uh, Champions League football. I think this season, um, but so did we a couple of seasons ago. Um, on on the subject of Perez, yeah, I went to. I didn't see the Atalanta game. I've seen the highlights. I didn't sit through the whole ninety minutes like you. I've been trying to buy a house. I've got more important things to be doing, unfortunately. Um, but I went to the Stoke game the other week. Uh, I went to Union Stoke, so I thought I'd, I had a Saturday afternoon free, so I thought I'd pop back to the to the uh, to the old neck of the woods I used to live in. Uh, and the interplay at times between Tielemans, Perez. Madison, Pereira, Ricardo getting down the right-hand side was pretty impressive. Uh, and I know they're playing a championship side who aren't really renowned for being particularly pacey or technical themselves, but just some of the little layoffs, the one-touch, the awareness. Iose Perez, he's not a particularly explosive player, but he has got a real knack, just like James Madison and Yuri Tielemans, of continually looking over his shoulder and finding a yard or two to then 
make a difference. And the you could just see how intelligent those footballers are. And and that's really the biggest difference that they've added because we've had a lot of good technical players at Leicester City in the past. Absolutely we have. But you take that technicality and you add the excellent footballing brain that Tielemans, Madison and Perez have got. And that makes a huge difference. The formation we played at Stoke was interesting. I know Brendan Rodgers said in his um, press conference after that he was pleased with the way Leicester had adapted to things tactically because Yuri Tielemans was playing very wide are almost on the right-hand side a lot of the time, um, that which then allowed Ayuzi Perez to play in a more central role, almost as if he was up front with Vardy. And then um, and then Tielemans was... Uh, sorry, rather, Madison was playing off of those with Hamza Chowdhury kind of holding things down in the centre of midfield. You probably wouldn't get away with playing that against some of the top clubs in the Premier League because it, it did leave a few gaps in certain areas. But it shows that... Brendan Rodgers is tactically aware enough and those players are intelligent enough to be moving into areas where they can affect the game better. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see. I don't think you'd be able to say that for 90 minutes we played X formation. Uh, certainly not for the very beginning when he tries to figure out exactly how he can get the best out of all of these players. But it'd be really, really interesting to see because Tielemans, Perez and Madison all combining... I think will, uh, we haven't mentioned Jamie Vardy yet, but I think that will contribute to them being able to put Jamie Vardy in goal-scoring positions. And the couple that he's bagged this pre-season show that he's not lost any of that sharpness in the penalty area. And you've got three players there that can fashion all sorts of chances for him. So from an attacking point of view, it's really exciting. Yeah, very exciting. A diamond formation in midfield is, is one option. It does mean that one of either Madison or... Tillemans would go out wide and then on the left you'd have one of many players who can play in that position and you could even push the fullback forward Chilwell and, and maybe have Fuchs there if you want to solidify that. So one person we've not mentioned so far, Iniacho, has scored a number of goals in pre-season, which is good for him. That's all he needs to do. Score goals. He apparently looks sharp in training and then when he gets his chance off the bench and when he gets his chance on the field, take it. That's what he needs. He needs a goal. He needs to get going. He's always going to be number two to Vardy. But this season is about him just getting back scoring. So we know if Vardy gets a knock or he's going to get replaced for Iniacho for whatever reason, then we know we're bringing on someone who will take their chances when they come across uh, and, and, and looks the part rather than being completely void of any confidence and from being a professional footballer at times. Uh, all he needs is confidence. And so hopefully that happens and hopefully he scores. And I, I'm going to go for a home win. I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory. And i tell you what, I'm going to go for an Iniacho goal. So 3-1 Leicester and Iniacho to score at some point in the game. That's my thoughts for Sunday. What are your thoughts for that game before we go for the season as a whole? I wish you'd let me go first because I was going to say something similar. I don't think I'll be as bold as to say that Ian Acho is going to score a goal yet. I, I'm, I've, I'm pleased for him in pre-season. Just uh, crazy talk, isn't it? Yeah. I know, but I, I, I think he, I think if Brendan Rodgers has got the right relationship with him, which it seems that he has, then we could see, we, we will see his best season in a Leicester shirt. So if I, you've got to remember, he's still only in his early twenties. We bought him when he was really, really young. 
Um, and we expected a lot of him because at the time it was quite a hefty transfer figure. But yeah, if he can continue that form and just come on and enjoy it and have some confidence in himself, um, I think he could be knocking on the door of double figures if he's getting off the bench. Because look, Vardy's not going to be able to play 90 minutes 38 times this season. Remember, he's he's a good decade older than Ianacho. Ianacho should get the nod in cup competitions. So I'd, I'd want him to reach double figures this season. In terms of the Wolves game, yeah, I think 2-1, 3-1, something like that. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, but this team has got goals in it. And especially as Wolves maybe start to tie towards the end of the game, um, you'd be looking for Leicester to put that to bed. And it just depends on how resolute Wolves are, really. So 2-1, 3-1, something like that. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Nacho, as well, as in him... Scoring would take the weight off Jamie Vardy. You could go and play away. Some it, it sounds unfathomable that you wouldn't play Jamie Vardy from the start. But if the opportunity arises that you you could in the Premier League or 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 for whatever reason that would arise, then then it would be great. Maybe you play Sheffield United and Vardy has maybe gone one or two games without scoring and has got a a slight problem that needs a bit of work. You say right, take Jamie. You sit on the bench. We'll play uh, Kileshi and 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 you can come on if needed. It, that would be a great thing to do, but you just couldn't do that last year. You couldn't do it. Hopefully, that will change. So that's the game on Sunday. Season as a whole, I mean, season predictions are are, <laughs> are useless really anyway because who, who would have predicted last season, the season before, especially the season before that? But do you think Leicester will finish in the top half, top six, or top four. I have written down a place that I think Leicester will finish. Okay, and okay, and you want me to go first, yeah? Well, should we go one, two, three, and say it? Oh, go on then. Okay, so so we one, two, three, and then say the number. You do the counting, okay? Huh? You do the count. You do the countdown. Okay, okay. <laughs> right, ready? One, two. Three, seven, six. Oh, <laughs> close. Well, close. Yeah, close. I, ju- was, I just um, think that the, the, the gap between the top six and the rest of the Premier League, even though it's getting shorter and I think we'll be the closest to it, obviously, because I've said seventh. Uh, I just think there's still just something there. The, the gap will just be slightly too big. I think it'll probably be Manchester United who finish sixth, you know, and, and, I, and I think that's partly why some Leicester fans can't really see the reason Harry Maguire would want to leave us because it could realistically only be four or five points between us in seventh and Manchester United in sixth next season. Um, but, you know, we've talked to Maguire to death, so I won't I won't say any more. But that's that's my reasoning for seventh. I think the top six is, is one season away for us. And um, anybody who's asked me that question so far um, in terms of pre-season previews... Um, I think I did one for the This Is Anfield the other week and I, and I said I'd like us to knock on the door of the top six as loudly as possible. And I think that's that's where we'll be. I think we'll walk through it and I think it'll be very tight and I think we'll just hopefully grab sixth. There is breaking news on Harry Maguire. He's apparently passed his medical. Well, whatever that, there we go. Um, so I've gone with sixth, you've gone with seventh. We've gone with wins on Sunday. Uh, two more things. Now, fantasy football, something that we've not mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, we haven't ran a fantasy football competition. We haven't really got involved. But this year, we have. 
and I have set up a, for fuck's sake, Fantasy Football League. Now, uh, just a few bits and bobs about it. It's very, very simple to get involved with. It's completely free, and it is the official Premier League Fantasy Football. It's the app that you can get on your phone. On a laptop, you can visit the website. On a computer, you can, again, visit the website. Find the official Premier League Fantasy Football through a search engine. It's dead easy. Just type in Fantasy Football Premier League. It's the first one that comes up. And then when you register for free and sign up for your team and you put your players in the right position, etc. When it comes to join league, join the league and you use this code, nice and easy, 5UZCV0. So that's 5U for umbrella, Z for zebra, C for Charlie, V for violin and 0. And that will enter you into the For Fox Sake Fantasy Football League. Those details are on social media. If you go onto Facebook and you can find For Fox Sake on there, all the details there, including that password, and also on Twitter as well. We've been tweeting that out. At FFSPod is the Twitter handle. Search for us on there. Find us, follow us, and you can find the details. Get involved, completely free. And there will be a prize at the end of it. It's a bit of fun. First of all, a bit of fun. Every week on the podcast, we'll announce the uh, the current standings and we'll have a bit of a laugh about it. But we'll also try and find some prizes throughout the season somehow. And uh, and we'll sort that out for the end of season. So have a go on the fantasy football. Get involved. If you've never done fantasy football before, do it this time and get involved in this league because then you'll be able to hear yourself being read out on the podcast where you are in the league. Get involved. If you do it anyway, then you've probably signed up to a number of leagues. Just add us, like I said, that code 5UZCV0. Add us on there. And uh, that all starts, obviously, this coming weekend with the Premier League. So you've got time to get involved. Make sure your team's registered before the start. You've had a go, Rob, haven't you? I have, yeah. I've just had a look, actually. We've got 26 people signed up so far, including uh, oh, including ourselves. So 26 in the Fox 8 Podcast League, uh, league so far. I'm just so guilty with fantasy football of forgetting to... So you have to, if you've never played it before, you have to... Well, you don't have to, but you can set up your team. So make substitutions or one or two free transfers a week or more if you want to spend points, uh, not money. Um, but you have to do it by a certain deadline, and it's usually if there's a lunchtime kickoff, it's usually 10.30 on a Saturday morning. I'm so guilty of not getting round to doing it and then going at about Saturday oh, lunchtime. Oh, you've got to do it. Oh, I've not sorted my team it's, out. It's, and then you've got a player who's suspended or injured, or you wanted to put a certain player as your captain because they're the playing fun. a rubbish team. I'm just so bad at doing it, honestly. Now that's the fun. That's the fun in games. It's, it's the Friday before... The Saturday early kickoff. It's the Saturday morning. You got to get it in your routine. Have a look during the week. Who's injured? Who's not? Make your changes. It's dead simple, dead easy. And again, if you're sitting there going, "I've never done this before," I've heard all about. Just have a go. Put it this way: my old man wants to have a go, and <laughs> trying to talk him through, trying to type in official fantasy football Premier League on Google was quite a bit of a hardship, really. <laughs> So God knows what his team's going to be like if he ever gets around to sign up. But do have a go. Bit of a laugh. There you go. 26 in the league already. Let's try and get it to near 50. That'll be great for uh, the first season. And uh, and finally, you played in front of Jamie Vardy, I hear, Rob. Almost. Uh, not quite. You'll have, If you've been on our Twitter this morning, Monday morning, you'll have seen 
my picture I played in a charity football match at Stocksbridge Park Steels FC yesterday uh, in front of the Jamie Vardy stand. It's got his name on the side of it. It's got the Leicester City badge on the side of it. And the pitch is actually lovely. You know, they've not played a home game on it yet. And it's um, been quite a nice summer, really, for, for the pitches in terms of a, a nice, decent bit of rain. But best pitch I've ever played on. Massive, though. I am absolutely knackered today. My legs are killing me. The the one save, we lost 5-1. I didn't tweet that, but we were playing against... Uh, I was playing for a team that I've just... You never mentioned that. I didn't, no. We, we, uh, a team that I've just joined up here in Sheffield. Uh, I've got close links to Stocksbridge Park Steels. And we played against a team that was mainly made up of former Stocksbridge players. So they they knew what they were doing. They were they were decent. Some of them still playing semi-pro for, for other clubs around the area. So it was a decent level. Um, but I got there. I'd never met this team before. It was my first game for them. Um, and they said, oh, yeah, you'll be starting centre-back. I was like, OK, baptism of fire, trip me and why not? Um, and there's rumours that John Parkin might be coming down to play up front for the opposition. <laughs> Honestly, Hang on, wait, wait. I big John Parkin, massive John Parkin. I almost turned around and walked out. I thought, you know what? Every time I've ever seen John Parkin play, I thought I would not like to be the centre back on the receiving end of some of the challenges that he puts in. And here I am, sat in a changing room about half an hour before kickoff, being told that he might turn up and play for the opposition in my first ever game for him in front of what was probably three, four hundred people at Stocksbridge Park State. I was I was uh nervous to say the least, but fortunately when we went out to warm up I, I couldn't see anybody that would be big enough to be even close to John Parkin. And he didn't turn up. If so I, if you if you ever if you ever do play against John Parkin, if you know you're gonna play against him that, that week let me know, and I'll put it on the. Uh, I'll send it out on the Twitter and the Facebook, and we'll all come up. All listeners will all come up and watch. <laughs> I would pay a lot of money to see you against John Parkin. <laughs> I would. I would be pay broken. I would be absolutely broken playing against a man like It'd be him. amazing. Yeah, but thankfully amazing. he didn't turn up. But we, but we still lost five one. So you know, Stockbridge um, still there. They uh, they've actually part of my my most fa- my favorite part of. Football memorabilia I have. I look behind me in the, for Fox A HQ at a signed Jamie Vardy England shirts, all uh, framed up lovely, and I've got all the, well, most of the programs from the league winning season. I need to go through those. I need to. I want to try and find whether I got all of them. There might be an appeal next week on the podcast for <laughs> if anyone's got one or two programs from that season because I want the full collection from the league winning season. I've got all the stuff from the Champions League, uh, team sheets, etc., and and all the gear that we were given in in the press box and stuff. Um, but the one bit of memorabilia that I do have, I've got an old program from my neck of the woods, uh, from Shepshed, from Shepshed Dynamo against Stockbridge Steels in 2009 or 10. Um, I'll dig it out. And it's a program, and Vardy is on the, obviously in the team for Stockbridge. I believe the game was called off. Um, I don't think the game went ahead, but they printed the programs. And inside, it's got a guide to the opposition, and he's declared as a really quick winger. Um, and <laughs> it's great, it's fantastic. And I, I, you know, I, I, they they had it at the club, and I said I've got to have that. And uh, and it's really good. I want to try and find the score. I think it was four three to Shepshire, so he must have scored a, a few for Stockbridge. It's not actually the easiest thing to find. 
But anyway, so well, well done in that charity game. Good luck against Big John Parkin, who's going to be causing chaos in the uh, minor leagues in the Sheffield area. I really hope not. <laughs> and so 3-1, drop pencil, 3-1 or 2-1 on Sunday, 6th or 7th in the league. Um, the only other thing I've got written down, and this is the last thing, is the Cups. Now, the Cups have been the sore points, really, for Leicester over the last few years with teams being put out and losing against lower league opposition, with getting to quarterfinals and not playing our strongest team and having chances, losing on penalty shootouts, not getting to semi-finals of cup competitions. When was the last time Leicester got to a semi-final of a cup competition and didn't go through to the final? We we need to go further. And just the, the words that are being said in pre-season, one interesting note is that when the Radio Leicester, for example, when they cover games, uh, sometimes the embargoes regarding press talking to the manager uh, are lifted because it's a pre-season game. So you hear the entire um, interview and you hear all the, the, the press gang asking questions. And from what I've gathered over pre-season, there's been a real emphasis saying about the Cups that they want to win a Cup. They want to win a Cup for top. Uh, they want to, and the players have said that as well, they really want to win a trophy this year for top, for Vichai. Um, and it will be just be interesting looking at the season as a whole how the club approach those games. I still think Rogers will rest players as teams do, but I think they'll be making a more of a concerted effort in those cup competitions. Who knows? You could get drawn against Man City away in the third round of the FA Cup, and then you're pretty much buggered. Or you could get a really nice home tie all the way through. Applies for the League Cup as well. We'll wait and see, but I think they'll make a real effort. That's just some of the noise. That reading between the lines I've I've picked up on. Yeah, and I'd love to see it. I would absolutely love us to go far in a cup competition. And, you know, for the pre-season previews that we've had on this podcast for the last few years, we've we've talked about let's get as far in the FA Cup as we possibly can because it's the it's the the little hole in our um in our trophy cabinet, really. I know we've not got actual it's loads a big of hole. actual trophies in an actual cabinet but in terms of what the club has won over the years we've got a good proud history in the league cup but i don't know if we are we still record holders for the amount of fa cup finals lost without actually winning one i'd imagine i'd imagine we, we are, are. We're i mean on to be four, fair the, the tro- yeah the trophy cabinet there's obviously one big trophy but i think i i i think you would agree with this and i'm pretty sure everyone listening to this now would agree we said sixth, or I said sixth, you said seventh. Most people will be saying pretty much the same kind of thing. Maybe fifth, some people, maybe even fourth, you never know. But I would swap, I would put a one next to the six, and I would turn it into 16th, which is just surviving in the Premier League, if we win a trophy. I would sacrifice a terrible Premier League season for winning something. I think most fans would. You want to qualify for Europe. You want to progress in the Premier League, obviously. But winning a trophy, I'd sacrifice just staying up for a pre- for an FA Cup. Yeah, took everything at the FA Cup. Got to. Yeah, exactly. But there we go. We will wait and see. We don't know. No one knows. Have you got any money on them to win the league, by the way? Me? Mm. No. When have, when have I ever been a betting man, especially not on Leicester City? Dangerous, dangerous to bet on your own team. I'll tell you what, I've I've just talked myself into now having a quick go from maybe to get the top four, maybe an each way bet for the league. 
And I think I'm going to have a go on the FA Cup. I think that's going to be the play this year. Leicester to win the FA Cup. 